This is the message from Connection Community Church for Sunday, January 9th, 2022. Miracles stretch out your hand. Morning, Connection Church. Morning here, there, wherever you may be. We uh, welcome you to worship this morning. Today we continue our series that we started last week on uh, miracles of Jesus. We're looking at the miracles, some miracles found in the book of Luke. Uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, third book of the New Testament of the Bible, second part of the Bible. This morning we are going to focus on a healing that took place on the Sabbath in the synagogue as Jesus tells a man, stretch out your hand. Well, good morning, Connection Church. Good morning to you here at 4744 Summit Bridge Road and those of you joining us online. It's really good to have some people here. Didn't know if anybody was going to be able to show up. We had lots of call outs and you know what? God provides every single step of the way and we are so, so grateful. Thank you all for um, wearing masks and we're not saying you have to, but we appreciate that, especially in our common areas in the lobby. Those of you online, a lot of people out here are, but once they get to their seats, they're able to take them off. But we are trying to be as safe as we can to keep everyone well. Uh, you know what? We have got a lot of people across the country in the house. We have Texas in the house and Oklahoma in the house and I think uh, um, Arizona in the house and uh, Wilmington and Townsend and Newcastle and Middletown and lots and lots. We are so grateful for technology that connects us one, one church, many locations. Let's uh, go ahead and pray. Would you bow your heads, please? Almighty God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for the opportunity to worship you. We pray a blessing over all of the households that are a part of the Connection family or connected in some way. We just pray that um, anyone who is not feeling well, anyone who is sick, that uh, it will be over soon and everything will be super mild. Um, Lord, protect us. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for um, your word found in scripture. And may it transform our lives. I pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Everybody agreed and said, Amen. 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 So last week, we saw how the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, of the Jewish law, they got really upset with Jesus because Jesus healed a guy who was paralyzed. They were upset not because of the healing, but because Jesus forgave his sins. You remember that? Because they said nobody could forgive sin but God. Little did they know, or actually they didn't want to acknowledge that Jesus was God in the flesh right there in front of them. Jesus in human form. So this week, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law are upset with Jesus again when he is healing someone. And again, it's not so much the healing, but in this case, because Jesus does it on the Sabbath. Now, it's not the first time that he's healed on the Sabbath. Uh, in Luke 4, two chapters before what we're reading today, uh, chapter 4, Jesus was teaching in the synagogue. And the synagogue was like a kind of a satellite to the temple. The temple was in Jerusalem. That was the main worship place, but not everybody could get there every Sunday. Plus, if they did, it would be so overcrowded. So there were little 
uh, satellite uh, worship centers called synagogues. So he was teaching in the synagogue on the Sabbath, and there was a man there possessed by a demon, an impure spirit. He cried out at the top of his voice, go away. What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly. Come out of him. Then the demon threw the man down before them all and came out without injuring him. All the people were amazed and said to each other, What words these are? With authority and power, he gives orders to impure spirits, and they come out. And the news about him spread throughout the surrounding area. Mm. When we were in seminary, I had a professor who, uh, it was about interpretation of the Bible, and, and he always pointed out it's important to look at what's said and what's not said, what's in there, what's not in there, you know, the words and then the spaces. You know, it's important to consider what we read and what we don't read. And you know, back before what Carrie just read, she started 33b, back on verse 31, uh, we're told that Jesus was teaching on the Sabbath when this healing took place. We're not told that the Pharisees and teachers of the law were present. We're not told they were. We weren't told they were. Maybe they were there. Maybe they weren't. And you got to say, okay, since that's not in there, apparently that wasn't important to this story. Whether they were or weren't is not important to this story. But the people who were gathered in the synagogue, the rank and file, the everyday people, they were amazed. That's what it said, amazed at what Jesus did. Well, hello, I guess they would be. Wouldn't you? I would be. They were amazed. And you know, when amazing things happen, word gets out, doesn't it? Word spread. And that's what happened here. The word spread throughout the surrounding area. So if the Pharisees and teachers of the law weren't there, weren't there, they certainly, I'm sure, heard about it. And, 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 and they're probably going to be there in the future once they hear what Jesus is doing on Sabbath. And so that was Luke chapter 4. Let's fast forward to Luke chapter 6, verses 1 through 5. And we're told that Jesus was going through the grain fields on the Sabbath. That's, that's the key here, on the Sabbath. And the disciples were picking up heads of grain um, and rubbing them in their hands and, and eating the grain. That was not a good thing, according to the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, because that was unlawful. It seemed to be work. Isn't that strange? Going and picking and rubbing and eating. That was unlawful. That's how tough these Sabbath regulations were. And the Sabbath, we know, was created um, at the origin when God created the heavens and the earth, day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, day six, day seven was Sabbath, when God took a day of rest. Did God need the rest? God doesn't need to rest, but God uses that as a model for you and I. As humans, we need rest. And so it is biblical, it is scriptural, it is important for us to set some time aside and rest, whatever that rest looks like for you. It doesn't mean sitting in a chair like this, but it's, you know, thinking about God. It's um, keeping the day holy, having family time, whatever. But that 
This does lead to an important question, what is work? What does work constitute? Obviously, we work on Sundays as a nurse. I used to work on Sundays. So it's important to take other days. We, it doesn't have to be Sunday. Anyway, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, that's where they came in. They came in to interpret what work was. And they declared that work was picking a grain, rubbing it in your hands, and eating that fruit of the grain. Uh, it seems to be a little bit overboard, but that's what they said. <laughs> yeah, and so the Pharisees asked Jesus why they, he and the disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. And Jesus' response is interesting. He says to them, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. In other words, this is my day, and I'm in charge of it. What are you doing telling me what to do? Now, we find this story in Mark and Matthew as well as Luke, and in Mark's telling of this story, this confrontation between Jesus and the Pharisees, Jesus shares a little bit more. He says, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And then he says, the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. So we have that little extra there. So Jesus is pointing out here that Sabbath was intended to give rest and restoration to you and me, to humans, uh, a day to be set apart, made holy, uh, for us not to focus on work, but to focus on the Lord. And with all the rules and regulations, and Jesus wasn't against rules and regs, but with all those rules and regs, it, got, it became anything but restful, if you can appreciate that. Sabbath was intended to be beneficial for us, not for us to become slaves to Sabbath. That's what Jesus meant by was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So everything we've said brings us to the point of the scripture today, our focus on Luke chapter 6. On another Sabbath, he, Jesus, went into the synagogue and was teaching, and a man was there whose right hand was shriveled. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. So they watched him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. But Jesus knew what they were thinking and said to the man with the shriveled hand, get up and stand in front of everyone. So he got up and stood there. Then Jesus said to them, I ask you, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to destroy it? He looked around at them all and then said to the man, stretch out your hand. He did so, and his hand was completely restored. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were furious and began to discuss with one another what they might do to Jesus. And so we have here a Jesus here once again at synagogue on the Sabbath. In this case, he's teaching. That's <clears throat> what we're told. And a man is there whose right hand is shriveled. That means it's, it's basically worthless. I mean, it's of no use. It, it, it's, just, it's just there. And, and, and we're not told how it got that way. We're not even told how Jesus knew that it was like that. Because I'm sure the man wasn't waving it around saying, look at me, I've got a shriveled hand. If, you know, more likely he was kind of keeping it down out of the way there. Um, 
It doesn't say that he came to Jesus saying, please heal me. Didn't cry out, I, I need your healing. It doesn't say the man was an invalid and begged for a living, although that very well could have been true. Uh, uh, it doesn't say like the other uh, scripture that we shared in this series uh, that his friends carried him into the synagogue. I mean, he's able to walk, so he was uh, there on his own power. It just tells us that there was a man there whose right hand, and notice it doesn't say left, it was his right hand that was shriveled. The majority of people are right-handed. And I think that's why it points out his right hand was shriveled. That's his go-to hand, his uh, do-things-with hand, you see? It's very likely he needed that hand to earn a living. Uh, everyday people in those days, most all of them, needed that hand. Uh, if he was a carpenter like Jesus, he would need that hand. Even, uh, you know, if he, if he uh, was a farmer, he needed that hand, whether it was for crops or for uh, uh, for livestock. If he, if he was even a tax collector, he'd need that hand to, to count out the money. I mean, it's hard to imagine in that day and time a person to be able to do any kind of work or for a living without his hand, especially his right hand, if in fact he was right-handed, which is most likely. Hmm. Um. His right hand would be imperative for doing just about anything. And yet there he was, with a hand that was shriveled, useless, unable to be used for what he needed. And he wasn't even asking for healing. He was just there in the synagogue that day. An interesting side note, we, we do a lot of research um, and, and prayer and discernment on our own, but we also look at outside resources and texts. Remember, that's not scripture, but, but we do our, our due diligence, our study. And there's this one article that we found in preparation for this called Show Me Your Hand by Reverend Linda Pepe. And she points out that it was unlikely that this man was really allowed to even be in the house of worship because the shriveled hand represented something. It represented or it labeled him unclean. And unclean was not allowed in the synagogue. And back then, the thinking was that if you had an affliction that made you unclean, it was a result of your sin or the sin of your parent. So you were ostracized. And as she looked at this and kind of picked this scripture apart, she also thought that there was another option here. Uh, if you had an affliction, you could go into the synagogue, but you could try to hide it. So perhaps the man was in there and, and he was hiding his shrivel hand or, you know, stood in the back or, you know, maybe it was just like this, uh, so that nobody could see it. But that gets really tiring, too, and then you forget, and there's the shriveled hand. Whatever. Whatever. She also offers another thought, which we found very, very interesting. That this man with the shriveled hand could have been a plant. A plant by the religious leaders attempting to trap Jesus. 
Because we read in the scripture that they were trying to find something to trap him in. And we're not told that he came for the healing. We're not told anything. We're just told that he was there. And so this could be really something here. <laughs> that maybe the Jewish leaders planted him there attempting to trap Jesus. They had heard about Jesus. They knew what Jesus was going to do. And it was Sabbath. They wanted to catch him and trap him. And so setting, they set Jesus up knowing that Jesus would heal. Jesus couldn't help but heal somebody in need of healing. Scripture tells us Jesus knew what they were thinking. You'd think that they'd catch on after a while since he knew what they were thinking, that maybe he was uh, more than just an everyday kind of guy there, you know. They were a little slow on the uptake. But he knew what they were thinking, and so he had the man stand up. And then Jesus put the Pharisees and teachers of the law on the spot by asking the question, I ask you, which is lawful on the Sabbath <coughs> to do good or to do evil, to save a life or to destroy it? It's a very good question, isn't it? And it's a tough question for them, because what are they going to say? Uh, well, it's to do good. Well, boom, then he's clear. Uh, to do evil, well, then they look foolish. <laughs> so it was a very good question, which Jesus was very good at asking good questions. Um, and the other reason it's a very good question is these religious leaders didn't give a rip about the man with the shriveled hand. They didn't care about him one one iota. They didn't care about him because he wasn't their focus. Their focus was on Jesus and trying to catch him doing something unlawful on the Sabbath. So they were using this guy in order to try to get to Jesus. They're more concerned with checking to see that Jesus wasn't overstepping and breaking the religious laws of the Sabbath than they were the well-being of this man in front of them. Using him in a shriveled hand to kind of push their own legal agenda. Now, Jesus, Jesus wasn't against rules and regulations. He said, I came to fulfill the law, not to destroy it. He wasn't against rules, up to a point. And that one point was the relationship. When they got in the way of the relationship, that was when it became a problem. You see, that's what Jesus wants. He, wants, he doesn't want rules and regulations so much as he wants a relationship. And he wants that with you and me as well. Now he wants us to follow, follow uh, righteousness and follow God's teaching, but he wants that relationship with us, up close and personal. That's what being a Christian is all about. It's about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So after Jesus asked that question, which is lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, evil to save life or to destroy it, the Bible says that he looked around at them all. So we just want to have your, you place yourself in that scene. Can you imagine, okay, there's Jesus, the religious leaders, the man with the shriveled hand, and Jesus asks the question, and then he starts looking around. I get a little antsy looking around, but maybe, maybe not, because if Jesus' eyes focused on me, who if I had heard about Jesus? But think about this. So there were 
Pharisees, teachers of the law, everyday people like you and me, um, and they're all there watching this drama unfold. <laughs> and Jesus is scanning the crowd and focuses in on the guy with the shriveled hand. And he says, stretch out your hand. Wow. Stretch out your hand. All right, so can you imagine being the man? Here he is in the crowd, maybe hiding it. Stretch out your hand. And the guy thinks, is he really looking at me? Did, did he look at me? Did he really call me out? Do I really need to stand up? Should I stretch out my hand? Oh my gosh, here I am at the center of attention, in the center of the tension. I mean, can you feel the room? It was probably palpably tense. And here this guy is asked to stand up. Now perhaps this guy with the shriveled hand, maybe he had heard of Jesus. A lot of people had at this point. And so the man is like, oh boy, he's looking at me. Should I stand up? Okay, I'm going to stand up. All right, should I put my hand out? What, what's he going to say? What's he going to do? Is my hand going to get healed? What if it doesn't get healed? What if he says something? What if he doesn't? Maybe I'll look like a fool. I mean, what goes through our heads during these times? But can you imagine this useless hand and a possibility of healing of that hand? Maybe the guy's thinking, do I really believe Jesus can do this? Wow, okay, do I have enough faith? Do I trust enough? All kinds of things. Ultimately, do I trust what he says he's going to do? So um, many years ago, my aunt, Aunt Doris, my mother's sister, she had cancer. This a lot of years ago, so long I don't remember what type of cancer she had, but it was serious. It was very serious. It turned out it was terminal. That's how serious it was. So I had this feeling at the time, a gut feeling, a, in the core of my soul feeling, that uh, God was telling me to go to put my hand, lay hands on Aunt Doris and to pray with her for healing. Wow. That was, that was pretty wild because, you know, I'd done a spiritual gifts inventory previous to that, and healing wasn't in that mix. I mean, faith was, still is, but healing wasn't in that mix. It hadn't been. It didn't seem to be at the time, and yet I feel God calling me to lay hands on Aunt Doris. I mean, really strongly felt that calling. And, you know, I, I chose not to do that. And, 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 and to this day, I regret that. The reason I regret it is not that I think if I'd done it, uh, Doris would have been miraculously healed. I mean, God can heal her with or without me. And uh, actually, she ultimately did have healing, the ultimate healing. She uh, is resting in God's arms now, and so she, she, she ultimately was healed, whether Alan was there or not. But the reason I regret that is because... Um, I was fearful. I, 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 didn't, I didn't do it because of fear. I, I didn't go because, of, and it was the fear of looking foolish if she didn't get healed. It was the fear of, you know, being, 
What if, like Carrie talked about the guy with the hand, what if, what if, what if, what if? And that was my fear, because I was fearful of it not resulting in some kind of physical hearing and me looking foolish for having laid hands and prayed for her. My fear of failure, fear of looking foolish, uh, took precedence over doing what God called me to do. And that's my regret, because... Uh, gosh, that must be, I don't know, uh, 40 years ago now, maybe. Uh, 30 anyway, 30 years ago. 30 years ago, 25, 30. Long time ago. And in those years, I've come to realize this. God is much more concerned with our obedience than he is with our success. Again, he's much more concerned with our obedience than he is with our success. Um, it's important for you, us all to remember as we go through life, because God's going to give us lots of opportunities to respond to his call in our lives, call to serve him in some way or another, to serve one another in some way or another, variety you know, in some way to serve. Give us great opportunities for that. And when he does, um, even though he'll give us what we need to succeed, if he calls us, he'll give us what we need to succeed. Uh, it's important always to remember that God's much more concerned with your obedience than he is with your success. Much more concerned with doing what he calls you to do than with what the outcome's going to be. He'll take care of the outcome. That's not our problem. What we're called to is follow what he tells us. So this scripture in Luke chapter 6 really is, is layered as I think about it. It's a, it's a miracle story. The, the shriveled hand was, was healed. The man was healed. It's a story about Sabbath. It's a story about uh, Pharisees, um, you know, laws and it hurting, ultimately, people. Uh, it's a story about Jesus' kindness and compassion. It's also a story when we look at the guy himself of, of obedience and having the courage to, to stand up and to stretch out his hand. And so a question that we want all of us to ponder, and we've been pondering this as well, is what is Jesus saying to you regarding stretch out your hand? What does that look like in your life? Stretch out your hand. Trust me. Take a step in obedience. Is it um, a conversation that needs to be had with someone? Is it... Uh, a decision in a particular area? Does it have to do with your finances? Does it have to do with, with your job? Stretch out your hand, Jesus says. Does it have to do with, you know, something personal with you? What is it? What is your stretch out your hand? And are you going to do it? I am, you know, Alan talked about his spiritual gifts. My spiritual gift, meaning Holy Spirit fills me to do this, is administration, as you all know. 
and many of you know, and I can't help myself. It just happens. It happens, and I thrive on that. I thrive on all the balls in the air. But I had to take a look a long time ago. Sometimes I, I hit the mark and sometimes I don't on this, but my personal mission statement that God gave me a long time ago based on my spiritual gift of administration is to be ready to respond when God interrupts. Because God interrupts us. And what we think we're going, this, 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 and God interrupts us. And the question is, are we going to be obedient and say, okay, I'll put my will or my ideas on hold and do what you want. For me, that's the stretch out your hand that God says every day. Oh, you had that list? Let me show you what I really want you to do. Stretch out your hand. Okay, God. Because obedience for me and actually, scripturally, is more important than achieving what we thought we needed to do. Stretch out your hand. What's getting in the way? Trust? Do you ultimately trust that what you think is better than God? Ooh. Uh, faith? We, we all could use a little more faith. All we need is mustard seed faith. So we don't have that excuse, because we all can have mustard seed faith. What is it that's causing us, causing you, to stretch out your hand? We don't have to know the outcome. We don't have to see what happens with it. All we need to do is stretch out our hand. I love this miracle story in Luke chapter 6. Actually, I love Luke because he's a, you know, he's a physician, so as a nurse, I'm like, yeah, this guy is like my favorite book of the Bible. But all the miracles, all the healings, but this Luke chapter 6 is so multi-layered, and it's got something for each one of us. Stretch out your hand. Do what God's going to do. That's the good news of the gospel. Let's live it. Let's believe it. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Almighty God, it is easier said than done, the stretch out your hand thing. But thank you. Thank you for the ways that you show us, lead us, nudge us, convict us by your Holy Spirit about ways that we need to stretch out our hand. And Lord, if we don't know what you want, um, if we're in this weird place of just wondering, we'll wait on you. And we'll wait, and we'll read, and we'll pray, and we'll worship, and we'll wait again. And Lord, your will and your way is ultimately best. So help us trust you as we stretch out our hand with our lives, our relationships, with our whole being. We thank you, God, for this sweet time of, of worship, of fellowship today, both here in person and online. Find us together, Lord. Help keep us focused on you. We thank you and praise you. In the name of the Father and the Son, 
and by the power of the Holy Spirit. <coughs> Everybody agreed and said, Amen. Thank you for listening to the message from Connection Community Church. For more information and to find out more about our ministries, you can visit us on our website at justshowup.church. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Thanks again for listening. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the new life he offers.